0: Welcome to the Flayo Podcast. This is Troy. And Byers. And we are here with another Late Nights at Blockbuster. Uh, We have a a really good movie, if I don't say so myself, uh, in store for you today. Um, The tagline of this movie is, Fear can hold you prisoner, but hope can set you free. Uh, This one's really special for me, as uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's the Shawshank Redemption. Um, No matter what, if someone said... Like, what's your top five or top ten most of the time I kind of hem and haw about it uh, but uh, I always know that I'm gonna put this one uh, into it so I'm gonna dime out buyers right away buyers um, it. <laughs> it just mentioned that that I I had to I had to convince you to watch this movie or not necessarily convince you but say hey we should do this movie and you're like I've never watched it before yeah eh.
1: somehow it just slipped through the cracks it was just one yeah. of those
0: weird movies and so' yep. I'm
1: glad I'm, I'm glad we decided to do it, so I had to watch it, so.
0: Yeah. Um, I've got plenty of those still, as many movies as I watch and have watched. Uh, being a Blockbuster employee, I think I get in, like, people, like, all the time. How could you work at Blockbuster and not watch this movie? Like, one of their favorite movies. Like, literally, I, I didn't watch Jaws until COVID um was one of like my glaring holes of uh of my uh and do you really uh, feel that bad
1: now that you've watched not really? it really like it's right. completely
0: overrated in every way i yeah. think you just had to be a child of that generation to be like oh this is a really good movie because it looks i mean i get it like the shark is mechanical it's old like whatever but it's kind of a boring movie like, yeah i i i really don't get it like it was so, certain parts of it is cool and of course the soundtrack is iconic but like or the score rather not the soundtrack uh is iconic but yeah all right we're not going to go into joss this is a shawshank <laughs> podcast but i just <laughs> want to tell on myself that i mean we're, we're going to have some of those from time to time where you might tell me like hey i can't believe that you've never watched this movie you know so and i'll, I'll I, I think all they're going to be so. further
1: out uh, there they're, they're going to be f- Further and farther between from my side to yours though I, I mean let's just let's just be honest that's just
0: So there's no special anniversary around this one. this was just something that we just decided to do because we were trying to, to look at some of the things that we wanted to, to talk about. We've got a little bit of a lull here with some of the uh, the shows that we want to talk about here in the future uh, shows like Andor and um, uh, Rings of Power and just a couple other things so why not put some some good movies in here to talk about so um let's get uh uh, started i kind of put some starring and some written and directed by almost like our a little bit like our uh, um, corner booths at Rex's just to kind of set the stage just because I love this movie so much and we're going to be talking about a decent amount of people but hopefully you've watched Shawshank um, as you're going through this because we're going to spoil the mess out of it and and have some fun doing it so what kind uh, of weirdo
1: are you like me that you've never seen Shawshank (laughs) Redemption at this point in your life um, yeah,
0: and and this is a good time to mention that uh, while this is the the Faleo podcast, um, this is a very much an R rated movie. Um, um, so yes, like, <laughs> yes,
1: especially early going. <laughs> yes, like, it settles some...
0: into it. Yeah, yeah. at
1: yeah. the beginning of this movie, I was like, "What did Troy make me watch for a few right. minutes?" Like there was some. Um, I mean, it's yeah. not it's not a oh what's the Ed Norton? Uh, it's not American History X, History X. at yeah. that level but it's that uh subject matter so
0: right um, it's uh it's a difficult watch in a couple of spots but um as i was watching it i had my eye on like what does buyers think about this like the entire (laughs) time Uh, you know how it is it's almost like we were watching it together like you know how you this is the exact thing that we were talking about oh you've never watched that and you just sit there and watch that person watch i was just like Paris is judging me here and here and here and here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's some obvious it's a prison movie. So there's some obvious subject matter that's very R-rated and the language is R-rated. So uh, if you're interested in the movie and you've never seen it before uh, and you're going to go, oh, OK, maybe I'll stop and watch this heads up. <laughs> it's don't, happening. <laughs> don't watch this with the kids or anything right? like nope. this is
1: not a this is a grown up movie. But I mean, all that yeah. stuff is necessary. And it's there for a reason. I mean, like it's not gratuitous in any way. Like it, I never felt that way.
0: Yeah. Even during those scenes. So. Yeah. So we've got Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne, Morgan Freeman as red uh, Bob Gunton as the warden Norton, uh, William Sadler as Haywood Clancy Brown as captain uh, Byron Hadley and James Whitmore as Brooks Hatlin. As I rattle off those names, like, Maybe like other than Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, you're just like, Who? <laughs> like Clancy I think, Brown. I think the and, rest
1: of that list is in my recognize yeah. your face. Like, right? <laughs>
0: basically. <laughs> yeah, oh, Clancy Yeah, Clancy Brown is one hundred percent of that guy. Um so uh we've got it written and directed uh by Frank derbont Um and it's based on the short novel. Uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. It's funny, like, I I did a lot of research for this, so, like, buckle in. Like, I'm gonna try not to bore you with, like, I I, I took out a lot of details that I wrote down and was like, nope, that's stupid. Don't do that. Um, I watched the, both of the documentaries that are included with my Blu-ray. They were very repetitive, um, but still, still fun, still cool. Um, But uh, everybody talks about how the the title, like, made people not go see it in the theater. And I'm just like, who are these people? Like, will, <laughs> like, like who? I mean, I get it. Like, it's weird but like that's one of my favorite things about this movie it just sounds so cool the shawshank redemption and i'm like heck yes i'd go see that movie you know yeah. i wasn't old enough to go see it in the theater in 94 when it came out but like when i was old enough to watch it um what's funny is like i watched it on uh tnt uh i saw <laughs> a um i saw a, a a cable edit was the first yeah. time i saw it you well, know that,
1: that's a very different movie
0: very oh. different movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, um, I, I, I found that funny that they they specifically said, hey, we're not going to put Rita Hayworth on the, the screenplay when they were shopping it around. And even still, like they got a bunch of interest from like women and models and all these other people. And they were just like, hey, I want to be in this movie. And he's like, like Frank Darabont's like, no, you don't because like, There's no women in this movie. Nope. So, um, and Darabont, um, he's a big uh, Stephen King adapter. He's adapted and directed five Stephen King books. His first, like, student film was uh, The Woman in the Room, which was based on, similarly, on a novella uh, by Stephen King. Uh, Obviously, Shawshank Redemption, Night Shift Collection, uh, The Green Mile, and, and The Mist, Uh, So Green Mile is obviously one of the more recognizable ones, obviously, other than this one. Uh, The other ones are just kind of like you can you can find the mist pretty easily, but you cannot find those other two um, (laughs) very easily at all. Uh, So I just thought it was kind of interesting that he's just he has this like uh, this relationship with King. Uh, and like as, as one of the people that adapts his stuff all the time and, and it really, really works in this particular situation. So, um, it was nominated for seven academy awards and won none, uh, they, they had a best picture, best actor for Freeman, best adapted screenplay, best cinematography, best sound, best film editing, and best music, uh, original score. Um, can I just pause here and say, like, it was a crime against humanity right? that, I, that I forgot to put this on my top uh, 10 music scores. And so <laughs> I'm going to retroactively bump the mission off of my top 10, put Shawshank in there and uh, drop out uh, Sicario and drop the mission down into honorable mentions for anybody that cares other than me. <laughs> like I hate myself. Like the moment that it started, I was just like, why didn't I think about this for top 10 music scores? That's
1: why we had to go 10 because there's just so many movies and it's just so hard to think of everything. It's just crazy.
0: Um, And and just as another chasing rabbits um, started watching Rudy tonight with the boys. That should have been in there too but i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna keep moving that stuff but
1: i don't uh, know would the music alone do it rudy though like there's there's
0: ooh, the visuals
1: right? more needed on it's the true like i don't just close my eyes. i mean i could probably
0: but i don't know right especially the last scene you you, oh, you could you could yeah. okay sorry i got us off track um so obviously they didn't win any oscars because this was the forrest gump oscars <laughs> I love that movie, so I can't really. Yeah, uh, I can't fault necessarily it.
1: fault that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, obviously, Hanks wins for uh, best actor, and they win for best adapted screenplay. The only beef that I would have is like the best cinematography. I'm, I'm a big We'll get to Roger Deakins and the technical cinematography nerd stuff, um, but everything else kind of made sense. Um, Forrest Gump was just this huge picture that year, but everything else um pulp fiction was the other front runner for a lot of these awards um but everything else was kind of light that year so oh and score lost to the lion king which of course it would you know like that's yeah. that's really tough you know yeah. so so as much as you want to go retroactively go back there and kind of go oh it should have won for the it's like no no Not really. I mean, based on your mileage of Forrest Gump, I think both of you and I like Forrest Gump enough that we wouldn't be those people that are like, Oh, I'm so hyper," how That Forrest Gump should have lost, you know? So, No, I love me some Forrest Gump. Yeah. So um, this, this is a, this is kind of a weird question because we usually do this for movies that we've seen a million times, but uh, the first time you, you watch this movie, (laughs) what did you love about this movie?
1: Um, I mean, we are coming. It's in some ways it's hard to love this movie when you start off. Cause like right. it's, it's difficult. It's supposed to be difficult. That's the point is, is that they want you to see how hard this is and how easily could be beat down. But by the time you get to the end and as you watch that hope stick with it and there's, we'll get to it probably in some lines and some spiritual metaphor stuff is mm-hmm. amazing in this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is called Shawshank Redemption. It's kind of expected. I mean, you know, you watch some stuff and you're like, hey, that actually had a decent message. You kind of expect good things from something called Shawshank Redemption. I'm just saying. Uh, But even though I'm expecting it, like it totally it totally lived up to it. I mean, when I come into a movie and Troy's like, oh, this is like top five, top ten. My wife's like, "How have you never seen this? Like there was. Every chance in the world, this is going to disappoint because this has been built up good, and it did not. It did not disappoint. It, it's very. It's a great movie. Um, so it it lived up to all the hype that I had to endure to to watch this movie. Just kidding, it wasn't really enduring, but there was plenty of hype. Um, yeah. but I, it's accurate and poignant. Not necessarily enjoyable in some parts, to say, mm-hmm. um, but just really, really well done. So glad that we're doing this for the pod that I had, I got to watch
0: it, so. Yeah, um, it's just a wonder, wonderful picture of exactly what our podcast is about, like, it's phileo love, like, it's, it's non-romantic love between, like, two, two dudes, you know, and that's one of the things, like, going throughout the, the documentaries that I, uh, I watched, um, for, uh, for the movie, and that's what Tim Robbins, and darabont and freeman are just constantly talking about how many movies do you know that just focus on like two guys and their relationship and their friendship and how enduring it is um, throughout their life i mean you can think of uh, the obvious one is um the chicago bears guys uh gale sayers and brian piccolo what's the brian Song. song yeah yeah that's obviously the first one that a lot of people will think of but I mean, that was like in like a like the sixties or the seventies and it was like a made for TV movie, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I, I just think that it's uh they they kept talking about how like just gruff like rough and tumble construction workers would come and stop them on the street and be like man, that Shawshank Redemption movie, like that was good stuff. Like it just made me think about life and like friendships and all kinds of stuff. And so they were just like, there's just something just so um, relatable about it. And that's what I love about it too. You know, I'm um, just thinking of all the, the friendships that I have and how those things are, are held together. And uh, I mean, obviously we're not all in prison together, but it's just a good picture of like, like, male friendship and a female friendship, too. I mean, you can you can show all of those things, too. But uh, and and it just I, the thing that I love about it is it really got me into Stephen King. Um, and I don't like horror at all. But I was like, oh, Stephen King writes non horror movies, right? Because I had, I had loved Stand By Me. Um, I had seen that um, as a uh, cable edit um, sometime. Uh, before this loved that movie and then when i found out that he had written both of them so i tracked down um like it's like a um can't remember the uh the collection right off the top of my head of course my book is like right around the corner i could go grab it but it's basically it has stand by me and shawshank in the same collection of books there's like four novels in there and so i was like heck yeah bought that read both of them and it's kind of interesting the body is the one for stand by me um, and it's pretty, pretty close. And so is this one. Uh, but we'll kind of get into the the book is always better. But I think <laughs> we, we might have to change that um, once we get there because. Uh, and it's sorry, it's the it's Lori's. The book is always better, and in this case, mm, not so much. So we'll get we'll get there. So uh, let's see. Uh, how about favorite scenes? I I did good. Um, I started out with twenty. And I narrowed it down to 10. (laughs) Hey, I'm at 10. I'm at 10. (laughs) Yay. All right. Although, I gotta say, favorite scenes was
1: hard in some ways, just because of what you're talking about, is that it's not, I mean, there's a few that stand out, but for the most part, it's that friendship and that relationship that just Mm kind of keeps going, you know, that's just the backbone of the whole thing. And so, like, that's what's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not a scene. That's like the whole stinking movie.
0: Um, You feel like you're in prison with them for the three almost four decades that Red's there yeah right you just I mean it it's got this pace to it that you're just like oh I remember that and that and then but then like if you were to list all of them like I did I was like man it is a two and a half hour movie so it's pretty long early on I this is I felt
1: like a jerk in some ways because they're kind of jerks but like I, the betting on who cries thing at the beginning. Yes. Like, I actually kind of liked it where I'm like, all right, all right, we're just jumping (laughs) right in. No, no mercy here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's crushing, but it like it shows how you have to like learn and cope and deal with things when you're in a place like that and how easily people, most people break, which like was the point of showing that scene, too, is that like Andy doesn't. Um, right. it's by, it's really weird, by the way, to, to watch an entire movie where the main character has the same name as you. So they just keep saying your name. And like, You're like, yeah, yeah. What?
0: Uh, Who's calling me? <laughs> I had the one right before that, like the, the courtroom scene and just kind of setting the stage and showing like what kind of person Andy is, you know, the, the, the one that you were talking about kind of further pulls that along and you start getting it from, uh, from Red's perspective. Uh, but I felt like that courtroom scene was really uh, important to setting the stage, especially when the uh, the uh, judge says, "I don't like the look of you. You're a cold, like, distant person," and like, and basically like charges him accordingly. You know, so uh, just kind of a it's it's heartbreaking to watch him, knowing what you know about the movie. Obviously, you did not the first time, but you can you have some sense of kind of. Uh, of what what might be might be occurring but uh, but they do a pretty good job, like what did you think at the beginning? did you think that he did it based on all the stuff that they were putting down like it's pretty it's pretty incontrovertible evidence, right you know,
1: kind of although like the whole time I think and I think this was part of the point of the movie too is like showing like the flaws in the system that like mm-hmm. and I mean, you see it more with red too, where like he's going to these supposed appeals right, and like there's no lawyers there's no nothing it's just some dudes sitting at the table going well you rehabilitated you know like yep um <laughs> like this this whole thing is just a crock like yeah. once you're, once you're in you're just done yep and so um it, it did leave you wondering in the beginning you know and especially yeah. once once he gets in there of course nobody here has ever committed a crime like we're all innocent except for red right um, you know so all those kinds of jokes but um the next the next one I had uh, is the rockhammer conversation between red yeah. mm-hmm. and and Andy they're just so good together and that was just that was probably mm-hmm. the first moment where you really start seeing them actually interacting with each other yeah. and stuff and so I, I mean you enjoy all the times that they just are talking, you know, which is kind of crazy to say I mean that's that's just everything that happens in this movie. It's just red and Andy talking sitting down in the yard doing this doing that but that conversation was just, it was just kind of funny, And you can already see, like, there's wheels turning in this guy's head. Like, he kind of, I mean, like the judge says, he just comes off as this, like, cold, distant, uncaring. And you're like, no, he's just quiet. And there's, mm-hmm. like, stuff going on up there all the time. Um, right. And clearly, by the time we get to the end, uh, you know that there was. So.
0: And it just goes to show, like, how far we've come as a society with, like, people that just... Like accepting people that are like have different ways like introverts versus extroverts and like people that just have quirks and and things and understanding like oh okay even though that person just talks a lot and yeah, uh, they might be a little bit social awkward. If that that conversation just drained them to no end, and they have to kind of go cool off in the corner, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't get mad at anybody. They just kind of went. <laughs> all right, I'm done talking now. We'll see you guys later. You know, <laughs> I just remembered. Do you remember Jeff Bennett would just do Irish goodbyes all the time? He'd just be like, "Boom." We're like, "Where did Jeff Bennett go?" You know, and it's just like, "Oh, now I know." Like as a grown adult, like he was just like socially i'm just assuming obviously he's just like i'm done here socially i'm out <laughs> you know and i'm not i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna make a big deal about my exit either see you later like you know so um the next one i have right after that i had that one as well was the the license plate factory uh scene when they're up there mopping uh with the uh yeah. with the tar and i had that one too. It, have, i mean it it's it's such a microcosm of the movie, like at least there's a couple of different ones like we'll get to we'll get to another one a little bit later, I'm sure we if you don't have it, I definitely have it, um, but like they're they're they especially the way that they shoot it right it's on top of this factory so you don't see any of the the bars and the. Uh, the walls and everything. They feel like free men because seemingly they are up there, you know, they're, they're outside the, I mean, obviously the, the guards are still watching them. uh, But even the guards are kind of relaxing and kind of doing their own thing. I can't imagine how hard the broom was to like push and how hot it was, but they feel like they're free, you know? So, and then on top of that, uh, Andy stands up for them and, uh, and manages to get some beers for them. And just that, that that entire scene, like from start to finish, is just such a great, like if I was to just be like, hey, I'm going to convince you to watch this movie, I would just put on this scene. Because it doesn't tell them anything that they don't need. Like it's not going to ruin anything. It's just going to no. be like, if you like this scene, you need to start this movie from the beginning and, uh, and go from there. And, yeah. and I think it speaks enough to like what's going on. And you can understand pretty quickly what's going on that you'd be like, okay, I want to watch that movie, you know? Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. The The look on Andy's face by the end when, when the other guys are drinking.
0: Oh, weird, right. <laughs> right. sitting over
1: there is just so great. Like this, this captures him so well. Like mm-hmm. he's doing this thing. It's just for these guys. Like, right. He's not even going to drink one. Like he doesn't drink anymore because that was part of the problem. Right. Um. Like, I think, I think that's part of what made him have doubts. Even yes. a little bit about his mm-hmm. own innocence mm-hmm. that like, he thinks he's innocent. But even right. him, there's just little bitty bit because of his drinking that he's like, right? I'm innocent, right? Like just right. a little pause. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like just that that peaceful look on his face. Too. And I think is that the moment where I can't remember if it's that one or the music thing where, where Red says something about. I think he just did it just to feel normal again.
0: Yes. Oh,
1: it's just such a good. I'm just, I'm jumping ahead to Drax, but no, it's like, good. It's good. It's yeah. such a good. It just captured and his face captures that thought, mm-hmm. like. Like And like you said, it's shot that way on purpose where you don't see the prison, basically. There's no walls, there's no fencing, there's none of that. And so, yeah, they do feel free, and that's that's the point. That's what, that's what makes that such an uplifting little scene, you know, right. that they're still human, like they're still men, they're still, you know, they just have that brief moment of respite from all the awfulness that has been the movie kind of so far to that point, like just the prison awfulness. It's perfectly
0: placed, like you just said, though. Like, it takes a little while for us to get some hope again but like yeah. i i felt like darabont was just like like it, it's there in the in the book too but i think it's such a key part of the movie because without it i think i think you just might lose hope just in the in the midst of watching it too quickly you know? yeah so um so i I think it's perfectly placed to kind of give you just that like you said that uplift to keep you going and uh and moving along uh the next one i had is uh meeting the warden in his cell because of course um after he helps hadley and he started to help other people um i took out some of those other scenes because they're just so quick but uh the the warden obviously gets a hold of like oh There's a there's a hotshot banker in here that's helping everybody out with their taxes and setting up all all kinds of uh, funds like I want to get down on some of that. So he comes and he sees him in his uh, in his cell and it lends credence to why he and you see him get shaken down uh, like everybody else there. Uh, But then like the Rita Hayworth poster is there and he goes, well, I guess we can make some exceptions. And you kind of go, "Okay." And we'll, we might get into some of that with uh, plot holes and quibbles, <laughs> but it, it lends uh, it's so important to the end of the movie that um, even though it's just a very quick scene, it really gives you a sense of uh, the bigger picture of what's going on. And I love the the scene where he like he's holding his Bible the whole time, and he's like holding on to it because he knows. Like, I can't get shaken down with this Bible. And yeah. he knows that the warden is a Pharisee and it's just like, Oh, he'll he'll <laughs> love that I have the Bible. And he goes, Like, let me see your Bible. And they kind of trade uh Bible verses back and forth. And then he hands it back to him and says, Salvation lies within. And he doesn't realize <laughs> that his words are just so, so spot on, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, that
1: one I, I even wrote down, I just love the tax return scene stuff too like it was just it was kind of funny i love his little glasses you know like yeah like that's what makes him age in this movie more than anything that makes you think that a lot of time has passed is like all of a sudden he's got the little readers on the end of his nose dude. like it makes him look so much older than when the movie started
0: yeah because um, he's 37 he's 37 <laughs> when they filmed this movie you know yeah and by the end of it he's supposed to be or no. Like, so he's supposed to come in in his late twenties, right? And so he's supposed to be about 58 thereabouts by the end of it. And Red's supposed to be, he did 38 and he went, he's about to, he's, he's supposed to be about 58 as well, but he's of course done, uh, yeah. more time. So, yeah. Um, the
1: next one I have after those is, uh, the Brooks meltdown when he makes parole. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, when it starts, I'm just like, what is happening right here? Like, because, like, you like Brooks, like, right. from the get-go. Like, they, yep. they set you up so that you're supposed yep. to like Brooks. He's got the bird in his pocket when you first meet him and stuff. And then that thing's flapping around in the library. Like, Brooks is the likable guy that's around yeah. here. And so you're like, what is happening right now? And then they start explaining it. And it makes sense. And then gets really tragic. Right. Um, you know, because, I mean, the result of that and, like, them reading his letter and stuff is just like a gut wrenching, mm-hmm. painful scene. Um, really well done. Um, a good scene as far as like has lots of good deep meaning and right contributes to the movie. Not a good scene is in a, oh I love that one I want to watch I that love, one over yeah. and over. Uh, no nope. I don't want to watch yeah. that scene again. Um, yeah. We can skip that part. But right, um, so important. Um, to just showing like how how this can affect anybody and how yeah. how it can take away your hope, which is. The whole key of the movie is that we're holding yeah. on to that hope. So,
0: And if you don't have that, the echo at the end with red loses like so much. Um, I just find it to be like you said, it's so painful, but it's so important to see like the plight of others and and how I mean. So in the news recently, there's been some uh, a wrongfully imprisoned person, Adnan Saeed, he was like the subject of this like serial podcast. It was like one of the very first podcasts, if I remember correctly, that uh, started kind of like the whole murder mystery craze. And like uh, he's been in jail for like 20 years and he was just released. And I, fully, I just went right back to that with like Andy and thinking about like how institutionalized is this guy for like being wrongfully imprisoned all this time and they're just like oh okay well we'll let you out and he's like okay cool but like i've i've been in here for 20 years you know i'm I'm a completely different person it just breaks your heart uh for those particular cases where uh you got dirty cops where they're making up stuff and all kinds of crazy things and how probably uh um, rampant that was back then when you just didn't have all of this video evidence and a lot of different things uh, for people standing up for those types of people. So, I don't know. Took us on a little squirrel there for a second. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got uh, Andy getting the money and the books and the records from the state and the uh, playing the opera uh, yeah. in in that uh, in the, the warden's uh, administrative office and uh, Uh, It's just a really, that's another one uh, that I was talking about. Like that's a microcosm. Like they're in there, they're in this uh, prison and they have one of two choices. They can put their head down and they can just lose all hope. Or they could be like Andy and just be like, you know what? I got plenty of hope. And I've got the in the way that he talks about music as he comes out of uh, solitary uh, is one of my favorite, uh, yeah. one of my favorite lines that I'll talk about a little bit later once we get to Drax award. So really, really love that. Um, uh, it's also got one of my favorite comedic lines. There's not very many comedic lines or funny lines in here, uh, but I definitely got one from there that will be uh, <laughs> that will be using. So
1: there's a few. They're well placed. Yeah. Um, no, I had that one too. I mean, he's just sitting in there kicking his feet up they're pounding on the door and he's just ignoring them just enjoying the music you know and it, and it shows everybody's faces out in the yard and like again mm-hmm. he did it again like reminds yep. them that this isn't all there is right um, which which we'll get more into because there's a great line about that later on too
0: yeah um, I love the defiance of him like leaning forward and you think that he's going to turn it off because he's just going to be a good boy and then he up. just turns it up <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah it's good stuff i love they just locked the dude in the bathroom too that was just right um how's that guy keep his job by the way like aren't you like
0: he's he's so toast yeah and he knew it as soon as the screech from the pa comes online he's like oh man i'm done like i'm done yeah (laughs) that's what he gets for in his words pinching a loaf pinching a loaf Um,
1: (laughs) unintentional comedy (laughs) um the the next one I have favorite scene again. Like we've talked about this with some of the early stuff, like, and with Brooks's thing, like not in like, I love the scene and I want to see it over and over, but just important scene. Um, Tommy's death, like comes forward with the info that should get Andy out of prison. That should take care of all this. But you know, the warden likes having his bookkeeper around and all this stuff that's going on. And so basically kills him to keep him quiet and keep Andy there. And it just shows again, like once you're in this system, how hard is it to get out right you know? um so that was that was another important one
0: yeah i had one the one right before that like when tommy shows up and andy's kind of taking him under his wing and he doesn't know andy's story yet you know and andy kind of gives him that coy little like don't you know everybody's innocent in here so he doesn't actually <laughs> tell him his story so it's not until much later that tommy kind of figures it out by talking to other people Uh, throughout the process of just kind of hanging out with them, them getting to trust him and, and and him talking about how he, he roomed with the guy that actually like murdered uh, the golf pro and his wife. And so, and that look on Andy's face that you like in the scene that you were talking about, or right prior to that. um, uh, When, when he realizes like, Hey, I'm, I wasn't like, I, I didn't drink myself into a stupor that I actually like murdered these people. Like I am innocent, you know, and that realization and like the, like the, he's always had hope, but it's just even like more so. And he just looks like a crazed person yeah. talking to the warden, you know? Um, And, and just the way that that works out. Yeah. yeah.
1: So. That that little bit of doubt that he had, that tiny bit of pause is gone now. Like mm-hmm. absolutely. He knows, you know, so who wouldn't be,
0: Having the crazy eyes
1: and stuff. So,
0: yep. Um, I've got Andy and Red in the courtyard after two months in solitary, and so right after that, um, right after that meeting where uh, where the warden um, basically just says like, "Hey, like he's just feeding you a line," and he tells him, "How could you be so obtuse?" And he throws him in solitary and. Uh, he comes out and he realizes Tommy's dead. He's killed him essentially by saying, uh, Hey, like this guy like knows who, who did it. And, and he, he for sure and certain knows that the warden like took care of that. Um, so he's, he's doubly depressed. Um, and he and red talk about uh, the hope that he has. And Red's still just kind of putting him down. Like, this is just crazy talk Andy. And he's like, no, it's not. And so, but he has that, he has that callous look in his eye, like how it, that two months in solitary, like completely changed him. But you think it's depression, like maybe the first time you watch it. Right. Yeah. How did you, how did you feel in that one? A little bit like you're starting to wonder like,
1: Oh, are they finally going to break him? Is this Mm -hmm. finally going to break him? And then you realize obviously no, that just made him more determined. um, Yeah. Had the opposite effect. So. They
0: play it, he, like, he plays it so well, and Darabont, like, directs it so well, like, that it's just...
1: Oh, all the way to the to the moment, because, yeah. I mean, hey, you think he's killing himself. Yeah. I mean, like, in the way they shoot that, like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, I really thought this guy escaped. I thought that, like, because, I mean, I didn't watch this movie, but it's not like but I'm you've deaf seen... and blind. Like, I right? can't this <laughs> stuff. Like, Shawshank Redemption too. I don't think he's going to redeem himself by uh, hanging himself in this prison cell, but it makes you think like he's got the length of rope or whatever, you know, yep. all this stuff that like they're building mm-hmm. it and you're, you're kind of like, Andy in the beginning, there's a little bit of pause, like, wait a second. Yeah. What are we doing here? Um, cause he is, he does look, he could, he could easily come across as depressed. And then once you realize it, you're like, no, that was determined. I see it now. Like I can yeah. tell, like there's a difference there. So, yep. Um, which, Hey, if that was your spoiler right there, if you're like, Oh, you just told me he gets out. Um, <laughs> We made it like thirty minutes in. Thirty minutes in. Yeah. This movie's this movie's twenty eight years old. Okay. (laughs) This movie can legally drink and have a ten year old. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, This 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 movie is almost as old as he was in prison for. Okay. Right. It's it's up there. All right. It's your own fault if you didn't know that he gets out and he escapes. um, Not sorry at all. Not sorry. Not sorry at all. Yeah. Um, I really, this sounds weird to say since this movie came out first, but like, I loved the like oceans 11 esque way that they tell you about his escape where like it happens Mm -hmm. and then it goes back back. and you're seeing all the thing, you know, I Mm -hmm. just, to me, that's the quintessential example of how you do that is oceans 11. So I just wrote that down, but I love that. Like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you go back and you see the little things that you didn't notice before that it didn't quite show you sometimes before, right? but that make it all put all the pieces together. and It all makes sense. Yeah. Um, I love him down there timing it when yes. the lightning's going and stuff, so that he can just bang on this pipe and bust it open and stuff. And uh, just the way that he completely just owns this stupid warden is just so satisfying, right? But like, the note in the Bible was my, probably my <laughs> favorite part of that whole, like just writes the warden a note in the bible just to tell him like, he opens all the way like, up like, like it's shape.
0: dedicated to him like yeah. right there where you dedicate people yes. to people yeah yeah
1: so good so good i honestly i thought that about the poster pretty quickly though
0: like the first yeah. time
1: the poster's up i'm like so there's probably gonna be a hole behind that thing later on right like this is how we get out or something? i mean like that's the one thing that just is a little thin on yeah. as far as like the plot stuff like really that's yeah. it we just have a poster on the wall nobody ever tears it down nobody ever gets mad nothing um, yeah it seems that part seems a little obvious but the rest of it is is genius so yeah
0: uh i had that one as well essentially like running back like how andy escaped um it, they do it similarly to the book where red's just kind of guessing and, and kind of piecing together And the way that Red tells the story in the book is that he pulls everything. It's like, uh, it's, it's like, he's going to witnesses. It's very like biblical. It's like, I went to all these witnesses and they gave me all these pieces of parts of these stories, you know, and I put this together based on all of their, like, I corroborated this with this person and that with this person, but it's still like a tall tale, right? Like... And sometimes it's just like, oh, even though that that's the story amongst all of these other people and they're just trading and all of this stuff, that's how it works. And so it's just kind of cool to see how all of that stuff happens. And of course, Red's just kind of trying to see it from his perspective in, in, uh, in prison as he's, as he's getting ready to get out, you know? So uh, the last thing I have is, and, and it's a really long scene or it's, it seems like a really long scene, but it's, not but red's parole and then following yeah. andy's instructions to the end it's probably oh, about I'll 10 love minutes? red
1: yeah yeah the instruction like the parole part's pretty short and then the rest yeah, of that though it does kind of some... drag him a little I, yeah. I love the parole board where he finally just lets him yes. pass it,
0: <laughs> and somehow that gets him approved um, right so i kind of cheat there a little bit because i tried to i had it split up into a couple of different things and i was like huh, can i get away with this yeah I just put it together yeah, so, um, so I had I had pretty much all of that there, but if you had something else, or if you split it into a couple of different things, like it wouldn't make that big a deal. I don't know what's your favorite. I've got a I've got a top three. <laughs> oh, playing the music over the speaker.
1: I loved that scene. Yeah, like okay, kicking back and like you said, where you think he's going to
0: be the good boy and then just turns it up. And, <laughs> no. My three are license plate factory. Andy and red in the courtyard. And then of course the end, but I feel like I'm cheating with the end. So it's really license plate factory or Andy and red. And you're right. Like I like the, uh, I like turning the music up, but, um, there's just something about license plate factory, like scene. it's good. It's, it's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that like, you know, that Morgan Freeman's narration is going to carry this movie. Like, When he talks over the top of that scene especially as it ends when he talks about like the look on andy's face and as we sat there you would have thought that we were free men uh we were lords of, of all creation you know like gosh boom just kills it so i'm gonna go with that one all right let's move on to drax award oh
1: like you said the funny ones are hard to come by in this one but there's a few
0: um, but we'll get to some of them I feel like you're gonna steal all of them and I'm gonna be like sitting here like pontificating and I've got the I got the long ones from red uh at the end but uh let's let's uh let's get after these um
1: I, it was very tough when after red the the initial like opening parole where you just you're seeing that like this is kind of garbage and like he's mm-hmm. coming out and I can't remember it's one of the other inmates that's like in their little group and he's like oh yeah. I'm up for rejection next week. Like, right. It's just very telling. And they're trying to, you know, kind of make light of it, but you can tell that like, this bothers all of them. And so,
0: yeah, th- but they just think it's a sham. So, um, I'm going to go with a funny one, like right off the, um, uh, <laughs> the bat where, where Hadley pulls the, the first guy out of the, uh, the prison bus. And he goes, do you speak English, butt steak? <laughs>
1: that one too <laughs> oh. it's
0: just too good of a good of a line that didn't have like all kinds of cuss words in it that i was like i have to get this one in there and we have to have a little bit of le- levity so yeah oh uh,
1: i have a feeling that butt steak is going to become a frequent uh i are going to see plenty of use in our text message thread in right? months to come so yeah the warden talking to andy i'll paraphrase to get yeah. us uh, under the there threshold here yeah. but uh <laughs> put your trust in the Lord, but your butt belongs to me. Like mm-hmm. just, it shows that, that, like you said, that Pharisee. you called him a Pharisee earlier. And like, that's so it, like he's talking all this game about the Bible and these rules. And yet he's like the most corrupt person in this entire movie by far, like in mm-hmm. a movie about a prison full of inmates who belong to be there, except for one. Um, like he's the worst. He's the worst one there. And that just shows that dichotomy that, like, he doesn't, the, the disconnect that, oh, here's all these rules. So, like, put your faith in the Lord, but I can do whatever I want because I don't really mean it. So,
0: right. Yeah. Uh, that's a big uh, thing that King loves to come back to. I've read like a lot of his stuff, and uh, he loves to. He, he, you can tell that he wrestles with faith and religion. He hates religion, but he respects faith, if that makes sense at all. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you can tell that he's been wronged and, or sees a lot of these people like in his life and knows a lot of these people in his life, uh, that are like the worst hypocrites in the world. And the, the warden is, uh, Darabont, like this is kind of stepping on the, the, the book is always better. Um, but is it, um, Sorry, I added that last part. Um, Darabont grabs all of the wardens and smashes. There's three wardens during uh, Andy's and Red's time, and he smashes them all together into this warden. But he uses the last one uh, to like as the the main one, and he's like like a like a baptist minister or he's a baptist uh like he's got his 30-year pin uh on him all the time is what it talks about in the book and it's just like that typical like okay we know exactly who you're talking about kind of kind of thing and um as uh as he as he goes through it and so yeah it's really it's really difficult to see that as a christian and you know it's very reflective of of just kind of, or you, you can be very self-reflective, like as you go through this, like, am I the worst? You know, you know, Paul talks about it a lot, you know, okay. I'm getting into spiritual <laughs> illustrations and metaphors already. We could, uh, have, we're, we could we're have a three, three hour drags. pod just on yeah. spiritual metaphors yeah. from this movie though. It's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. so um, I'll move on to the red early on. Uh, I must admit, I didn't think much of Andy first time I laid eyes on him looked like a stiff breeze would blow him over and that was my first impression of the man so i won't try to do my morgan freeman voice but i can hear <laughs> it in my head as i'm going through it i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to disrespect uh, uh, morgan freeman by trying to do his voice so. um andy's talking and says
1: i'm i'm a convicted murderer who provides sound financial planning <laughs> like, just these kind of ironic little statements he makes throughout the movie were really good that's yeah, one
0: of them. So, uh, I like that. Uh, that first we, we talked about it in favorite scenes that first time that Andy and Red are talking to each other. Uh, and he goes, I, Andy says, I understand that you're a man that knows how to get things. And Red says, I'm known to locate certain things from time to time. And they kind of play off of that and call back to it a couple of different times throughout the movie. So,
1: yeah. um, I almost brought this one up earlier because we were talking about it basically, but and
0: Andy finally makes a
1: statement that says I had to come to prison to be a crook. Yeah. You know, yep. and it's just, it's played off as kind of a funny line, but it's actually really telling like what this place does to you and mm-hmm. how being institutionalized like this can, can bring you down.
0: So, yeah. Uh, going back to that same, the one that I was just talking about, he ends the conversation with the, Andy does where he goes, thanks. Um, Mr. And and red goes red. Name's red. Andy says, "Why do they call you that?" He goes, "Maybe it's because I'm Irish." Like he just kind of <laughs> has this like, and it's a it's a it's a really wink to um, Darabont's screenplay uh, because in the book. Uh, the the character that's uh, narrating everything is 100% a white dude that has, yeah. like, red hair, and he's Irish. And so uh, I just thought that that was a great line, just kind yeah. of a winking line. You know, you can almost see, like, Morgan Freeman wink while he says it. So.
1: <laughs> no, I read that, too, that, like, that was the original, and all uh, this crazy list of people that they, like, wanted to bring in to audition for it, and Dermont was like, no, I want Morgan Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> like, No, this is who I want for this. And they're like, uh, he's not Irish.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We left the joke in. Yeah, that's 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 not like in the in the novella. Did you read that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally did.
1: (laughs) Um Andy and Red talking, um says there are places in this world that aren't made out of stone, that there's something inside that they can't get to, that they can't touch, that's yours. And Red goes, What are you talking about? And Andy replies, Hope. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, in a lot of ways, that's kind of the emotional climax, like that conversation in that line, mm-hmm. like just lays it out. Cause that's right after that's, that's in the yard after the two months. Right.
0: Actually it's at the, the lunch table after he comes out of two months of solitary, it's yeah. right before um, the, uh, before the, the, the yard talk. Gotcha. Like, that was with, with everybody. Yeah. At the, at the table at, at either lunch or dinner, I would imagine based on the light that is a a lunchtime. So one that's kind of deep down in the dark, um, but it kind of shows you, like you said, um, how, how it, how it changes so much. Uh, Red says, I do believe that those first two years were the worst for him uh, talking about Andy and the sisters. Uh, And if things kept going that way, this place would have gotten the best out of him or would have gotten the better of him. So,
1: yeah those first two years were rough to watch too so yeah um i it comes up a couple times essentially uh between red and andy but get busy living or get busy dying um just
0: good stuff there's lots of good wisdom in this one i mentioned it before but i'll say it again red on the top of the uh, license plate factory he says we sat and drank with the sun on our shoulders and felt like free men We could have been tarring one of our own houses. We were the lords of all creation. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a good one.
0: Um, Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best
1: of things. And no good thing ever dies.
0: Yep. Uh I mentioned it. I keep stepping on Drax in the, in the, in the scenes, but, uh, yeah, when, when Warden, uh, hands the Andy, the Bible back after they did the shakedown, because I almost (laughs) forgot, I hate to deprive you of this salvation lies within. And we find out later that the rock hammer is like meticulously like cut and and laid inside the uh, Bible. So as not to be, uh, uh, that's one of the, I'm sure we'll get to that in uh, plot holes and quibbles. Yeah. (laughs) I'm
1: gonna warn you now this might this might be my favorite because i literally laughed out loud when we hit this point but it's after he's escaped and they're in there looking in his cell phone man up and vanished like a fart in the wind
0: i just died
1: <laughs> i love the the
0: follow-up and the follow-up is uh, what do you think they're fuzzy bridges <laughs> like talking about raquel welch like his new poster there uh, uh. Those would, uh, those oh. would, those two back to back just like kill me. Yeah. So, uh, I'm glad that you left this for me. It's, it's like you, you left it for me knowing that I'd love it. Uh, I'm going to go pinch a loaf and when I get back, this is all gone. All right. Like that's the guard, uh, <laughs> where he, he locks them in and, and, uh, plays the music. So,
1: um, it's not, it's not dialogue necessarily, but it's written but after red leaves like the halfway house and so it says brooks was here and he writes so is red like yep. that, that one that's it's not a it's not a spoken line but it's really really cool
0: yeah uh i'm I'm gonna be super annoying and read the whole exchange that you already put um like (laughs) you put the middle of it you tried to be really good and editorialized and i'm just gonna go for it and andy says uh coming out of the out of two two months of solitary that's the beauty of music they can't get that from you haven't you ever felt that way about music and red says i played a a mean harmonica as a younger man lost interest in it though didn't make much sense in here And he says, here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Red says, forget? And he says, forget that there are places in this world that aren't made out of stone, that there's something inside that they can't get to, that they can't touch, that's yours. Red says, what are you talking about? And he says, hope. And Red, and we know early on, or still later in the movie, he's, he's a man without hope. And uh, Red says, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. So they're they're the two sides of that coin where they're they're constantly, Andy's constantly trying to remind Red, like, hey, there's something else out there beyond these walls. Because he thinks he's never going to get parole. And he knows Andy's more than likely never going to get parole doing two uh, life sentences. So... He, he's trying to talk some sense into the man and he's just not having it, you know? Yeah. You had remember red hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things and no good thing ever dies. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I had that one as well. Uh, and of course it, it's so important after um, in, it's in that letter to red as he comes out of parole, um, just kind of giving him one little extra push that he thinks he might need to kind of <laughs> to get on the road, to come see him kind of thing, you know? Um, uh, but right before that, right before red gets out, he says, sometimes it makes me sad though. Andy being gone, I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. And when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice, but still the place you live in is that much more drab and empty that they're gone. I guess I just miss my friend. Uh, and then the last one, I could just do, like, all of Red's, like, narration lines. Like, that's just, that's <laughs> right. really hard not to. Um, but I, 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 really, I really did edit myself to get down to, like, only the good ones. Uh, but the last one uh, that he has, like, when it shows him on the bus, and he says, I'm fine. I'm so excited. I can barely sit still or hold the thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope, and and that's how the that's how the book ends too. So that's like a, a straight pull uh, from the book, which is uh, is really cool because it's just such a perfect way. Uh, they were they were going to end it there uh, in the movie. Darabont wanted to end it right there um, with the bus driving away. And the studio was like, You can't do that. <laughs> you absolutely cannot do that. Oh in twenty twenty
1: two they let him do it.
0: Oh, for sure. For absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, nineteen ninety four they weren't letting him yeah, do that. Yeah. But but he was still like, you know what? I think that like he he still liked it by the end. He was like, I was kinda of, I was kinda of mad at them that they that they wouldn't let me do that. But then he was like, it, it was it was important for all of us to go down to uh can't remember where they went. They went somewhere in Mexico. Um, it wasn't Zihuatanejo, um, but and they filmed that scene. And they were like, "It was good. It was cathartic to be away from the prison and like all this other stuff." And just kind of end the movie, and like a lot of people were like, "I'm glad that they don't say anything to each other. Like yeah. they just look at each other." Morgan Freeman's got his trademark smile. Andy smiles, and it's the first time, or maybe the second time, like he had the smile on the top of the license plate factory uh was like the yeah maybe maybe when he's like playing in music the, too yeah yeah but yeah but it, rarely and this rarely. one's bigger yeah big smile this right is the full one like the others were little yeah. half things and then you see them hug and so it's even though it's it's still kind of a cheesier holiday like hollywood ending like it's not as bad as it could be you know? didn't ruin so, it by talking so. exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right what's your what's your favorite I mean, the whole,
1: the one tied in with the music about there's places in this world and they can't yes. take where your hope is, is, is the best is, is probably my favorite. I, I did. I told you I cracked up so hard it vanished like a fart in the window. <laughs> that, one, that one stuck with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, along the same lines, like when Andy tells him in the letter, remember red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things and no good thing ever dies. So that's, that's my favorite one even though I want to like the, the hopefulness of the, the red quote at the very, very end, like always gets me. I think that one's a little bit, a bit more, more succinct to kind of wrapping up the, uh, the, the, the whole point of the movie, you know? So, yeah. Uh, let's get into recognize my face. My face
1: is here. Recognize it. Recognize my face. Oh, got some, some contenders here. Right. Cause we got some like, you know, maybe if we were, ten years older than we are these wouldn't be such contenders and we would know some of these names more readily (laughs) but like they just come at the right time uh right like william sadler who plays haywood yeah um i mean he's death in bill and ted movies so i mean that's that's good (laughs) stuff right there and he's president ellis in marvel for a little bit so oh his face pops up a few times like yeah that guy does look familiar there was lots of what else is that guy in right watching this Mm -hmm. movie i had to stop because i'm like no i have to be taking notes i can't stop and do this now i'll do it later (laughs) um so Sadler was that way Uh, mark rolston plays boggs
0: Um, yeah
1: the biggest one when i went and looked through his it was like oh he's in rush hour like that was the one that really stuck out um and then james whitmore um is in like a lot of old westerns and war movies but the big one for me he's in the majestic he's he's just one of the old guys in like the little restaurant when jim carrey comes to town and camera who he is and stuff I'm like oh yeah that's yeah. him
0: another frank barrett and frank Darabont movie
1: hey
0: yeah does not seem but like- not stephen king okay right exactly right. yep <laughs> so those are the three I, I put down um so i had mark ralston as well 184 credits prototypical of that guy it's hard for me to see him as anything other than Boggs. Like if you saw like I saw Aliens, that was another movie that was probably like I just saw it like during COVID as well. And people were just like, how could you like I've seen parts of Aliens, but I'd never seen it from like from start to finish. Um even I like kind of saw what all the hype was about like after the fact. Uh, but he's in that and he's he's crazy in it. <laughs> and so I can understand why some people will probably just be like, oh, he's the dude from Aliens. Uh, but to me, he's just always box. Um, so that's, that's hard to, it kind of disqualifies it at the same time, uh, for me. Cause it's like, you can't say he recognized my face from the movie that you're watching. Um, I'm going to say Neil Glatoni. He's part of the, uh, the group of, uh, like dudes that are at the lunch table. He was in Memphis bell. Ever heard of it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Only from you
0: as soon as i, I was you like want to is... bring back Memphis i Bell. did i did i was just like what is that i know that guy's face like it literally did a recognize my face he was like one of the first ones <laughs> and i looked it up and i cackled so hard i was like i have to put this in there have to um the da uh jeffrey Demunn. he shows up in all of frank darabont's movies and he's in the three other stephen king adaptations so he's in the mist and the green mile so that one was a, uh, a holdover for me. And then David Proval, he's another one of the guys um, that's sitting at the table. Um, he uh, was on The Sopranos. He's Richie April. He's like one of the like Tony Sopranos um, uh, good friends. And he's in that, like at, at the very, very beginning. And then he kind of, he, he tails off. So, yeah. So uh, so for me, it would probably be Jeffrey DeMunn. Um It would be the, the, the winner if we want to say for me I'd probably go James
1: Whitmore because like instantly yeah. I'm like I know you from something and once I found it, mm-hmm. it was majestic I was like oh
0: yeah that's it although Ralston was was close with close. the rush hour thing yeah so. I can't believe that I forgot that he was in that after, like I saw it like in his credits and I was just like, Oh, that's right. But I was, yeah, I was probably thinking like, Oh, there's bogs. <laughs> like, I'm just like, no, thanks. No, no, I'm, I'm good. Block, block that out of my mind. So, um, so let's get into uh, who beefed. And does it hold up?
1: Um, this I, is I, I, like my shortest who beefed section that we've ever yeah. had before. I think Ooh. I, j- I, I just didn't, to Have a lot to beef on. Like, what the heck am I yeah. I mean, um, and partially like I didn't think about it. I mean, like, as I went back, like I'm taking notes while I'm watching the movie, and then I go back and yeah. look, I'm like, I didn't write anything bad. All I did was like write some quotes and say, Oh, mm-hmm. this was good, that was good, this is where's the bad stuff? And yeah, I just didn't have a lot. Um, I mean, I already said like there's some parts that are hard to watch that are supposed to be hard to watch. So, like that's yeah. not really a beef, like that's a necessary. There's yeah. some some necessary evil, so to speak. Yeah, um, you know, calling the early scenes with all the fresh fish and all those kinds of things are just super cringy to watch. Mm-hmm. But
0: they're supposed to be, and they need to be there. Um, yeah. I think like it was timeless. Like sometimes, and we talked about this a couple of different times. Some of the movies that we've have we that we've done for this, and we tend to focus on CGI for like big effects movies. Like ET kind of got knocked out because like it's just old, you know. Yeah. I mean it's just it's just natural. I mean and you mentioned Jaws earlier. Like
1: Jaws would yeah. have problems if we did it because right. You just can't make a shark look as cool in the 70s as you could now but
0: yeah but i just felt like the setting and like the like it was meant to be like a a throwback from the time that it was filmed but the cinematography and i mean i I have my own blu-ray copy um and i'm sure that the hbo max version that you watched was pretty like uh upscaled probably the blu-ray or 4k or something to that effect it's just It's it's still awesome looking. I I watched the like I mentioned the two documentaries that um, I had on my Blu-ray. They obviously didn't transfer those over into (laughs) Blu-ray, and so it's like from from the time frame like and it looks like VHS. It's all like just crackly and like the sounds like not as good and and crisp. And you're just like, oh, that's how long ago this was, you know? That's how that's how old this is, and just. Like it's just timeless looking, you know, and I think that that still lends credibility to it, you know. Uh, so, and, and and I mean, one of the things that uh, I, I forgot to mention at the at the top, um, or probably it's more along the lines of my random thoughts, is that this is the number one movie uh, on IMDb, the crowd score, not like the. Like not not a rotten tomatoes like IMDB has their little like you can go in there and I've done like a million of my uh, my rankings or whatever and yeah. it's the number one rated, and it always has been like it's funny I was watching those uh, uh, watching those documentaries and they were like the internet com a brand <laughs> new website and it's like scrolling and it's showing like old old age like and like even from the outset it was like one of the um highest rated movies um, by all of the uh the user score uh in there i don't know why i had such a hard time getting to that um and someone who said like hey for for a second there star wars took the top spot and then like it went back to uh to shawshank and maybe over the years it's kind of flopped back and forth but i just checked it just last weekend and it's still number one Um, it's top five. With uh, um, the Godfather, The Dark Knight, Godfather Part Two, and Twelve Angry Men, so like just really shows like it's a a crowd pleasing movie despite the 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 tough subject matter that goes along with it. And whenever you're looking at you're you're basing it a lot against those movies. And like you said, I, I put Jaws in here, even though um, I mentioned it before, or The Godfather. The Godfather still an awesome movie but it still looks dated right if you were like oh okay that's from the 70s you know yeah and i mean obviously like shawshank's 24 years later but still like the fact that we're now like 28 years away and it hasn't shown its age quite yet uh is still is still pretty cool i don't know No, yeah, it really it really doesn't show its age i mean
1: it helps that it's set in a certain time period so it's mm-hmm. supposed to look a certain way that right. they could easily do in 1994 but like right. they still they do a really good job and like you said that that's really interesting thing about watching the documentary that goes with it and like this looks really old but the movie doesn't like that's
0: that's despite a it being despite it being set in a really old time right yeah, yeah. It, it was it was really messing with my mind uh, i think lee's favorite si- scene and uh if you were to edit the movie easily goes to the sisters oh we yeah can, we can agree with that yeah. yes yeah yeah no question yeah i thought that the first couple it was like okay we're making re- big references to it and then there's like a really long scene and I'm yeah like, yeah we okay. didn't need
1: that I, I already <laughs> understood <laughs> right i got yeah. it i got yeah. it i get it please stop yeah. please stop um, yeah oh i mean it's not as i already said it's not american history x okay like it's yeah. not we don't go that far thank goodness yeah. <laughs> this isn't a this isn't a netflix show like they don't they don't kill us with it or anything. Um, right but yeah, yeah i could i, I could have done with less we could have cut we could have gone closer to two hours and cut out a few things in the beginning <laughs> yeah like we yeah. get it it's horrible here it's prison it's terrible yeah. we we understand we don't want to talk about it either but we understand
0: yeah, I could have probably used a little bit less of like the uh, the warden's cons and stuff like that. Like maybe that scene of like where it shows him like getting the payoffs and stuff. So. like, All right. So it's a, it's a it is a longer movie. And so yeah. just kind of trimming some of the little little pieces that that was the only other thing I maybe. Could think about. But, but again,
1: so. you don't care. Like you don't yeah. care that it's two and a half hours. That's always mm-hmm. the good sign. Like when yep. you have a longer movie that gets into the like two and a half to three hour range and yeah. there's no point where you're like, gosh, is this ever going to be over? Um, That didn't happen. Like you're yeah. just watching and you don't think about how long it's taking or any of that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned Dark Knight's really high on that list. That's how we talked about Dark yep. Knight too. Like we don't care mm-hmm. that it's this long. Like I love the movie Braveheart, like adore yeah. this movie. But there are parts of Braveheart where I'm like, holy crap, wise, this three hours long. <laughs> like you could have, you could have done some more trimming in here, Mel Gibson. Right. Um, but I didn't really feel that way in this one. And not, not time wise anyway. Yeah. Um, some content. I'm like, okay, I could use less of that, but yeah, yep. not, not the time.
0: So. And the editing and the pacing really help with that too. Yeah. It doesn't linger unless it absolutely needs to. Like it yes. lingers in that scene. Uh, where Red and Andy are talking in the courtyard uh, towards the end. And then it kind of lingers where um, uh, Morgan Freeman gets the box uh, in the, in the hayfield, you know, but that's always, that's at the end where things are just really starting to get good. So it's, it's fine. So. All right, uh, Lori's the book is always better, um, so I'll, I'll take over for just a quick second here. <laughs> the book isn't always better. Uh, so Red, as we mentioned before, is a white Irishman, like, and everyone in this book is a little bit more rough and tumble in the book. Andy and Red talk about what's wrong with like what the warden's doing, and they talk about like pushing drugs and like some other stuff. And Andy's not like this, like paragon of light like uh, like he is in the in the in the movie so i thought that darabont did a really good job of like making the characters more likable like on both sides like red um in the book killed his wife like and his daughter um to to set up some insurance scam and so he's just like huh. you're like whoa like why do i like like it's like you you relate to like a a young guy that made a mistake early on like in his life in a like robbery gone bad where he like accidentally shot somebody is what the movie essentially says right yeah. and so you you i thought that darabont did such a good job adapting all of the best parts of what king like wrote in the book but made it more likable in that and then he took hadley Hadley's only in, like, maybe, like, 20 years uh, instead of, like, the full 40. And then, like I mentioned before, the Wardens are all three dudes are combined into one. And, like, these, they're, like, these, like, hardcore villains. Like, they're almost like Marvel villains. (laughs) Like, (laughs) the, the head villain and, like, the sidekick, like, all throughout the movie is, like, it's, like, they're the embodiment of evil. And, like, they're Reds. Like, he's telling the story, so obviously, like uh they're just evil through and through you know so um tommy doesn't die in the book um you mentioned the, the, the yeah. that scene was like uh, really impactful and i think it really is in the book uh, the warden has him transferred to like a, a super soft prison where it's like he gets to see his wife and kids and like they have like uh um it's almost like he gets to go home for the weekend And it's, like, super soft. And so so he, like, basically called in a favor to make that happen instead of to kill him. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, most of the rest of the book is pretty much the same. But I felt like those those subtle changes just really helped, like, mold this into, like, such a good screenplay that takes out some of the things that we probably uh, would have kind of picked away at, like, oh, I liked them, but, like, oh. Yeah, if, I couldn't, if Red had, really like, kill his wife movie. and yeah. kid,
1: like, you don't, you instantly, like, Red in this movie. And if, yeah and then the, the way, you know, finding out, especially since he's the only one that will admit his guilt, like, right? mm-hmm. even though you made the mistake, like, it makes it more favorable. But if the mistake had been that big, I just, I, I don't it's think just... you, you, he's not as likable then. I don't think you, yeah. I don't think you root for him, like you yeah. do when you're watching, like, you're so excited when he gets out.
0: So one last thing with the uh, the book isn't always better. Brooks also killed his wife and daughter after like a bad poker run. So it totally takes like your again like, <laughs> yeah, no, right? like I know right. It's like I get that these dudes are in here and they're bad dudes, but like I don't there, know. It was just there's
1: there's different levels though.
0: Like right,
1: like I got in a bar fight and killed a dude is completely different than I murdered my wife and child. Like. <laughs>
0: Did you want Memphis Reigns in this movie? <laughs> funny, funny, funny story, Nicolas Cage wanted to be in this movie, and like I can't think of it being a serious movie with Nicolas Cage as Andy. Yeah. No. So. no. We'll get into a couple more, but I just figured well, Yeah, we're not I, doing I mentioned... this movie
1: if that's Nicolas Cage, not <laughs> Tim Robbins. It doesn't work. Doesn't work.
0: You see how red hope is what is what we need. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I went like George Bush at the end there, but I, I got close. It worked. You know? It worked. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, plot holes and quibbles. Did you have anything?
1: Um, I, Besides the, the whole,
0: obvious, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, the whole, I, I dug this tunnel in the wall back here behind the poster and stuff is nice, but like, yeah. come on. Nobody, no, nobody leans against the wall for 40 years or whatever. Like, nobody pushes their hand. And how the right. heck does he get that far down the tunnel and back every night? Yeah, without anyone noticing anything. Right. Like, yeah. just doesn't. It's a cool thing when you get to the end. You're like, oh, there's a hole back there behind the poster. But I mean, right? There's some logistical issues
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They go. No, nope, it's all good. uh This is what it's here for. You know. <laughs> and, uh, and the whole way that Red finally gets out is a little
1: ridiculous. Like. You chew out the parole board and tell right. them they're idiots, basically, and that they're wasting your time because they're never going to let you out. So they let you out. Like, I yeah. I think I think in 1976, is... that would have been 76, eh, maybe a little less by then. Yeah. But, like, you're still really about a...
0: getting into prison reform <laughs> like <laughs> back then. <That's> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not seeing that one either. That, that, that part was a little too easy.
0: It is the freewheeling 70s, man. <laughs> they let this dude out. Yeah, bro. Which
1: again, if he killed his wife and daughter like he did in the book, nobody's letting that right. guy out.
0: No, no way. Nobody's letting that guy out. Not in a million years. Yeah. Two things in the book. I'm getting all over the place with the book. <laughs> it's in the book, he has a, a roommate for a while. Like for a long time. Or in the in the book, they all have cellmates and Andy, for some reason, doesn't. And then whenever he becomes like the warden's like dude, like he really doesn't. But in between, like the second and the third warden, he goes back to um uh having a bunk mate. And it's this like tall Native American guy that he treats really well, but he tells Red, like, oh, I like Andy, but it was really cold and in that cell and like there's like that's like the the foreshadowing the hinting that like something weird is going on in there and then of course it makes all the sense in the world like of course there's a hole and that's why you know so
1: yeah yeah the lack of cellmates was a little interesting to me
0: yeah but and i think that's why they liked that prison because it was just like one person cells and so it kind of lent visually some more credence to the fact that like andy was able to get away with that you know, so they mentioned, like, that the parole board was just, like, super, like, they they did not turn anybody out. Like, it wasn't, like, like the fact that Brooks got out, like, whenever he was, like, super old was kind of a weird thing. But it was basically, like, uh, they really set that up that you didn't realize that that Red was going to get out so early. Like, you would think that he would have been, like, a really old man. Like that, and they didn't really they didn't up the drama like they do in the in the the movie. But uh, Morgan Freeman talked about like that's his favorite part is the three different parole scenes. uh That's his favorite part of the movie. Obviously, he's a little bit more red centric. He's probably he's probably going to focus on red. <laughs> Whatever
1: with the narration, he's got like eighty yeah. percent of the dialogue in this movie, right? So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was just kind of interesting. My only plot hole and quibble, other than obviously like how did Andy do it? Uh, like the, like the, the amount of rocks that he would have to like dump in the yard over the, the amount of time that he did patient, patient man, but he has all the time in the world to do it, you know? So I guess he could. Um, but the, the real stretch for me was like the, the way that they show the hole in the pipe and the book tells you that it's a porcelain pipe instead of like, and they were about to start working on uh, redoing all of the, cause it was like from like the twenties. Yeah. Um, and so they were just about to redo that his whole wing, uh, and that's why he left when he did, because he knew that they were about to start working on construction in that wing. And so he's like, all right, this is my chance to go do it. And so it doesn't really tell you that, that it's a porcelain one. So, which lends a little bit more credence to like just smash with a rock. But the hole that they show, like in the movie, Tim Robbins is a big dude, like with <laughs> wide shoulders. There's no way. And then all of a sudden he gets into this, like, like the, uh, pipe that he can move in I mean obviously they made it cramped but yeah that's the one thing that just kind of stuck out to me
1: yeah I don't know why the septic line is that big even though it's coming out of this prison like the grown man can crawl through this thing like really (laughs) Really? they're having no clogs in those lines um
0: (laughs) all right uh, breakout performance. Did you have anybody? I have a weird one
1: Morgan Freeman as a narrator.
0: Literally, the words that I have written on my notes it's, it's yep. the first
1: time he does it, right? Yeah, like, yep, I read that too. Like, I yep. was like, man, there's nothing, and then I read that and I'm like, I'm putting that in breakout performance because I yep. can be tricky, but you had it too. So, <laughs> and neither of us wins. Um, because yep. yeah, I, I can't even imagine the world without Morgan Freeman as a narrator right? now. Like, <laughs> like like morgan freeman and james earl jones this is like what yeah. you guys are here for right, right. Like, we need narrators which one you want to call
0: so yeah uh before they were stars did you have anybody i didn't have not anybody a, yep. uh-uh. okay uh iconic moment i didn't really have one necessarily like
1: because it's not there's not like Oh, moment for me in this movie. Like it's just the culmination and it's the ongoing mm-hmm. relationship with red and Andy. That's so good. And there's not like necessarily for me, there wasn't like, this yeah. is the moment that defines them.
0: Yeah. My, my only one is like, you think of this movie and you think of Andy looking up in the rain, you know, as after he gets out and like, he takes off his, that's true. his shirt and he kind of looks up and yeah. he kind of has that like christ-like pose like everybody loves to like i read too much like andy like this is allegorical and i was like you're stretching uh, this is a man that 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 agreed with the stretch of et is an allegory i thought that that one was a little too much but there there is some christ-like imagery like in in some of these things um but yeah not to the point like frank Darabont was like nope nah i don't i don't see it but if you guys want to read that into it kind of like Stephen uh steven spielberg did in et the jim carrey emperor palpatine unlimited power over actor award <laughs> can, can we throw something else in there <laughs> we need to
1: find a way to turn that into an acronym of some kind right. it's just like one word but i don't
0: mm, them schnup <laughs> Thanks, Screech. <Sorry>. <laughs> all, right. all
1: right all the 90s kids got that one but right nobody else did that's fine yeah. We're leaving you hanging. We're not explaining it either. Nope, um not doing it. I wrote down Hadley, like just really digs into that villain jailkeeper role pretty
0: good at some time like really goes for it a yeah. few times. Um and then he just scares the mess out of you and you're just like ah! Yeah. <laughs> I had Haywood, he comes close a, a few times. Uh, like with the stutter and with some of the well, why don't you play Hank Williams like craziness? But <laughs> he he doesn't he doesn't quite go over the edge. And then Tommy has this like scene where he flips out in the library about like cats running up trees and <laughs> like that's true. Like, I forgot toss, about that. Tosses that's... the stuff into the trash can. But other everything else in his performance is really good. So I don't want to give him too hard of a time. But that's the closest that I could come. Yeah they're all stretches uh, in, in this one.
1: yeah like there's no like oh that guy mm-hmm. there's yeah this nothing from this movie is getting added to the name of the support since right. we do that all the time but <laughs> not from this one
0: yeah all right technical technical cinematography nerd stuff Do you have any like favorite shots or anything from this movie
1: yes i love the shot of him sitting on the bed the last night he's in when Mm -hmm. you find out later he's about to break out but he's just sitting there and the lights go out but it just stays focused on his face and the way it just hits and he just looks so peaceful and like just but just that moment just just looking at his face nobody's talking no nothing's happening but just the way the light shifted and stuff was just really cool in that moment
0: yeah um this is when i became a, a big movie nerd was when i fell in love with this movie and watched it over and over and over again and uh the first cinematographer that i can think of like actually like looking at who they are and what they've done is roger deakins who does this movie um, he's done fargo that he worked with the cohen brothers a lot so fargo Le, big lebowski he also did a beautiful mind no country for old men um, and if we talk, speaking of, uh, titles that really turn people off to movies, uh, this is one of my favorites, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford. It's like a Brad Pitt movie and no yeah. one went and saw it because they are just you like, what is that title? Movie. Right. <laughs> but it's awesome. Like if you. Like if you can stand, it's a really long movie, but if you can really like sit through it, like it's got awesome cinematography, Skyfall, Prisoner, Sicario, Blade Runner. I mentioned 1917. Um, In a a podcast a few weeks back, Uh, he's working on another Sam Mendes project right now. So just really love his stuff. So, um, and he was nominated. uh, This was his first Oscar nomination. And then 23 years and 12 nominations later, he finally won uh, for Blade Runner 2049. So, which is uh, back in 2017. But um, just wanted to geek out on Roger Deakins real quick there because th- that was my opportunity to do so. <laughs> um, but, uh, the overhead crane shot on the license plate factory is just so cool. Cause it just forces the perspective and it puts you in Andy's like thought process, like Hadley's got him and he goes, all right, you're going over the edge and he takes him to the edge and then he stops him and he kind of holds him out over it a little bit. And then like the entire, like, Uh, picture goes over and you kind of see below you but it's just like this blank like concrete slab and so they put some people down there like as they were going just to kind of give that perspective of like how far down it was so i really like that one um and the way that like deacons and darabont like obviously it's going to have to be a director and a cinematographer uh we talked about the pacing and the way that they film that Brooke scene is heartbreaking, but it's just so important to like that, uh, the flip side of when Red gets out. So, yeah. like, if they don't shoot that that way, it just doesn't have the same no. uh, 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 dramatic heft to it. So, yeah. And I really like that, that shot of the warden looking down the hole. That one's <laughs> a really cool one.
1: That is a cool one.
0: And this one's a silly one, but like Red's shocked face. Like when he thinks Hadley's (laughs) about to kill Andy, uh, like throwing him off the license plate factory, like they pan back to all of them and he's like, what are you doing? Get back on your brooms. And like red's just like, like just eyes are about to pop out of his head. It's, uh, that one's just a little bit of a, a funny one. So. Should have been uh, in the Palpatine award right there. (laughs) Morgan Freeman can never overact. Actually. Yes, he can. Um, (laughs) We're going to talk about that. We'll uh, talk about that coming up in yeah. our top five Morgan Freeman movies. <laughs> uh, favorite
1: song or score moment? Honestly, I didn't notice song and score stuff hardly at all. I know, yeah. like you were talking about, how, but I was just so engrossed. It. Like yeah. I think there's just so much that I didn't think about it, so yeah.
0: I didn't have anything. So I jumped on my favorite song or score moment by saying like I need to retroactively replace Sicario <laughs> <laughs> with this one, uh, but this one started my love of Thomas Newman scores. Uh, Son of a Woman's a good one. I mentioned Meet Joe Black in the score uh, podcast that we did. Green Mile is a pretty good one. Road to Perdition and Green Mile kind of sound a little bit similar. A lot of his do, but I really like them. He's nominated. He's been nominated for fifteen Oscars and he's never won. So. Because it always goes to Hans, probably <laughs> Hans Williams. These guys yeah, keeps killing his stuff. That's right. Um, and that intro, like that panning over the prison shot, is just so like awesome when you the first time you hit that score because there's nothing like there's that little old timey song at the very beginning uh, as they're doing the uh, as they're doing the courtroom scene, and then the the score hits like on the fresh the beginning of the fresh fish uh, scene. And as they're they're all coming in so um and then the the opera that andy plays for everyone is a a cool yeah uh, that's probably your favorite song yeah song moment huh true but, okay i don't felt, felt easy there. when it's literally yeah. just andy's the, the playing scene. a record like and it's uh, this yeah. favorite scene that you yeah. <laughs> that you yep so um all right let's get into it spiritual metaphors and illustrations the
1: whole freaking thing's
0: a spiritual metaphor <laughs> and illustration what what. what
1: just go watch the movie if you don't understand more about jesus by the time you're done i don't know what movie you watched (laughs) um no i mean hope is just i mean it's it it is literally in the tagline of the movie i mean it's just such a huge theme it's such a picture of what hope does for us even in the midst of like quite literally the darkest of times um you know especially like you talked about that that whole conversation about music and stuff he has after he comes out of literal two months of darkness and solitary, like he's been completely alone for two months in the dark by himself. And yet he's still holding on to this thing. You know, he's still got a hold of this thing that, that they can't take away that's still in there. Um the the letters, and this this ties in with hope, but like the letters he writes to get the library books and stuff is just so the mm, persistent mm-hmm. the, the parable of the persistent widow that jesus yeah. tells right like mm-hmm. just keeping at it and like not giving up that hope and just continuing to go and go and go until somebody notices and something happens because you just keep going because eventually it's gonna it's gonna come um i love we didn't talk about that i love the fact that he finally gets something and they're like please stop writing letters and he goes so i started writing them twice a week twice like, a week <laughs> It's just so good. I mean, it all and it all ties in so well. I mean, the whole get busy living or get busy dying stuff that mm-hmm. Red talk about, all the hope conversations. It's just we hold on to something that, that yes. we have something that as he puts it, like nobody can take this away. And like that's the thing that we hold on to. Um, you know, and for us we're not we're not sitting in prison. Right. Um, thankfully, gratefully. Mm-hmm. Um Hopefully you're not. Although, hey, I don't know. That's a new podcast audience. If someone's listening to this somewhere like there that, you go. Um, but we are somewhere we're not meant to be. Yeah, you know, like this. This is not home. This is not what we're made for. And remembering that and holding on to that helps us get through where we are. Right. that um, on those those long days, those dark times, those tougher moments, like we remember, this isn't it. This mm-hmm. is not what my existence is about. This is not where I'm meant to be. I'm meant for something more. And that's us. We're meant to be with God. We're meant for eternity. We're meant for heaven, for this perfect perfect place, not this place made of stone, um, to, to quote Andy. And so it's just the whole movie is just such a beautiful picture of remembering that and how that knowing that and holding on to that changes you, makes you different. So
0: yeah yeah that institutionalized it's really easy to use that as a spiritual metaphor for being of this world you know mm-hmm. like breaking breaking free from that uh, whenever we become a new creation in Christ we shouldn't be continue to be institutionalized like we should have the that same hope that Andy has to to break free of this world and to know like that like you said that there's there's something better for us out there so um I mentioned already I stepped on it really early but the warden is so obviously a, a Pharisee like the uh, too many too many Bible verses to go through that you praise me with your lips but you don't like with your actions uh, you're as whitewashed tombs like several things but one of the things that I, I, I particularly liked was uh, Romans 8:24 through25 kind of going back to the hope uh, for this in hope, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not, is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And like, that's just such a picture of what Andy did. Like in the, in the, um, in the book, this is the last thing I like continue to mess up, like putting a lot of that <laughs> stuff into the book, but Hey, why not? We'll just keep bringing it back in. He he opened the hole and then like waited eight years to like make his, to make his move instead of like, you feel like in this, like he's just ready to go. Like, or he had just finished it. Right. But in the book, like he just waited and waited and waited. And he was like, all right, I got to go now, you know, in order to do this. Like some of it was based on, they were starting construction and some other other things, but like just that patient, like, and knowing that, Hey, maybe you're going through a trial. Maybe you're going through something that 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 God uh, knows you're you're gonna you're gonna come out on the other side of it, and you're gonna be better for it. But just continuing to have that hope instead of being in despair, uh, despite or in in spite of your circumstances. So yeah, yeah. Corinthians, Paul, Paul talks about Corinthians, Second Corinthians, four.
1: Um, you know, outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly he's being renewed day by day and like that's andy like on the outside it looks like things are wasting away he's in prison for years and years but on the inside he's holding on to that hope and so he's being renewed day by day like this stuff doesn't break him um like it does so many people cuz he's he's got something to hold on to especially once he finds out 100% i'm innocent like someone else did mm-hmm. this what i'm here for and and holding on to that music and and even The two months in solitary don't do anything to him like he comes out even more hopeful and determined because he knows and so definitely a cool picture of all that stuff
0: so one of the things that i was thinking about was um back to like the the license plate factory with andy and it reminded me of proverbs uh 11 25 a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed Uh, and i thought that that was just such a cool picture of that like he, he felt like a free man because he was able to do something that he would be able to do on the outside, whereas all these guys are constantly doing, like, they're betting, like, that people will, like, freak out the first night of prison, and they're betting, like, all of the stuff that they have, the things that they own, where none of them are typically doing anything that, uh, other than things that will, like, curry favor with, like, the guards or, like, make them friends that will, like, help protect them you know and he just did a good deed just to 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 be like a good dude to other people you know it was just it was a it was a theme throughout that he was just too good for that place you know and they all could tell it you know so yeah and not too good like in a pompous way they all thought that early on but then they came to know that like oh i can't imagine that this guy like murdered his wife you know
1: I just heard that you said the bible test says, says
0: to give people beer and refresh them I don't, I don't. Oh. Oh. man it feels like a man when he can have some suds <laughs> uh and the the biggest one though like we're we're kind of we're, we're bearing the lead here the picture of climbing through 500 yards of foul smelling excrement to get out and be washed clean on the other side <laughs> and just an it's pretty easy, good. Super Pretty easy good. metaphor uh, for for how Christ's blood washes us clean, no matter what has come before. But I'm sure millions of pastors all over the <laughs> all over the world. Look are at like, him; he's being washed white <laughs> as snow right here, <laughs> standing in the rain. Oh. Right. Um, I found like uh, during one of the documentaries, they talked about this guy uh, who runs like a Hollywood Jesus website. And, uh, and this was like back, like, like early internet days. And he had like all these people from his church, like in like, uh, and they were talking about Shawshank and like giving all kinds of cool, like, uh, spiritual metaphors, just like we do in the podcast. And I was like, look at these guys, this is awesome. Nice. You know? So it was, we really
1: can't, cool. we can't use Shawshank like that though. Cause that's right? a sprinkling and not a dunking when it's rain <laughs> and we're Baptist. So we don't, we don't
0: do that. He he immersed himself in the uh, the drain pool at the end. <laughs> so, I mean, technically, if you like he he dunked and then sprinkled. He's got both he's got because both covered. All his bases are covered. Yeah, he's good to go. <laughs> um one one last thing I have. Did you have any more? Or am I just uh no. Garden this whole thing? No, you're all right. Good. All right. The last one I have was really cool. Uh or I thought it was really cool at least. Uh, Andy admits his own shortcomings as a husband. And the fact that like he didn't murder his wife, but he pushed her into the arms of another man, and like that self reflection, like is something that we can we can do, uh, and the timing of that right before he makes his escape, and like how he like then becomes washed clean, so to speak, you know, is just that kind of that that full scope of. Like, I know that it's stupid, but it's, like, I'm in little kids, like, teacher. So, it's A, admit that you're a sinner, B, believe in Jesus, died for you, and C, confess him as Savior and Lord, you know? I mean, it was just kind of, like, a lot of these steps to get to that. Like, I wouldn't say it's an allegory that Andy's a Christ figure. I think it's an allegory in that, like, becoming saved, you know, like, or or that, like, he fully understood like the way that it progresses is like that. Does that, does that follow? Or am I just kind of, no, absolutely. I mean, like he has that
1: confession moment and then gets this new life, you know, that's, no,
0: that's very, yeah. Spot on. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, random thoughts. What do you got?
1: Um, I read this one that, uh, the first chat between red and Andy when he's throwing the baseball. Yeah. Took nine hours of filming, like they just had to keep shooting it. And Freeman just kept throwing the baseball the whole time, and showed up the next day with his arm in a sling because it was just done for after throwing a baseball. <laughs> for hours.
0: I think that would do a lot of people in, uh, right? Right? Oh man, I don't think he was he was doing some long toss and getting some throws in bullpen <laughs> sessions before before that one, so uh i think that you'll like this one and i think that a lot of it is due to the fact that tim robbins is so huge he's six five and so all the people in this movie are super tall uh there's five characters in the film that are over six feet bob gutton the uh, warden and morgan freeman are both six two and 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 gutton looks like a tiny dude standing next to 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 robbins Robbins. right so does yeah, he's six two. Clancy Brown is six three. He's the um, he's Hadley. Brian Libby is Floyd, uh, and then uh, obviously Tim Robbins is six five. He's he's a big dude. It's funny how in, in the yard and at the table, like all the other guys that aren't tall that stand next to him. Um, are kind of like propped in different ways and they're shot in different ways to not yeah. make it like so obvious that these dudes like tower over them.
1: It's so. like reverse Tom
0: Cruise
1: right, right here.
0: <laughs> Get these guys some some uh, lifts. Let's do this. <laughs> um, the exteriors were filmed at the defunct Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio. And so it's supposed to be set in Portland, Maine, but they are like this... This one is just too good, um, and the prison was in such poor condition that renovations had to be made prior to filming. Uh, however, most of those interior shots were shot on a sound stage because it was just too hard to like do all of those renovations to the uh, uh, to the prison. So,
1: yeah. uh, the picture of the younger Red, when you look through his file at the end, like is actually <laughs> Morgan Freeman's son. Um, who also has a cameo. He plays one of the one of the fish or something, or yells fish, or he's one of the inmates, like in just some kind of crowd scene. Oh, like uh yeah, he does the the reeling him in. We're reeling yeah. him in Yeah, yeah. It's Morgan Freeman's son. <laughs> which like when you look through the IMDb credits now, like yeah. this many years later, you're like, Wow, that really does look like Morgan Freeman. Um, <laughs> and then uh Morgan Freeman says this is his favorite of his own movies.
0: Mm -hmm. he mentioned that a couple of times in the the documentaries that uh uh that i was watching so um rob reiner uh wanted to make it with tom cruise and harrison ford uh he obviously he directed two stephen king movies misery and stand by me love stand by me uh so um i'm sure he would have tried to make it work but Oh my gosh! I cannot imagine that this movie. So, Cruz Cruise is Andy and Ford is Red. red. I can, I can
1: maybe see Harrison Ford pulling off Red, red, yeah, but Mm -hmm. yeah, not, not Cruise. Yeah, that would have been some different filming, like we just talked about, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Tom Hanks was also offered the role, but he obviously didn't accept it due to scheduling conflicts with Forrest Gump. Um, But he did turn out to uh, uh, work with Frank Darabont on his next film, which is another Stephen King movie, The Green Mile, uh, which did really well. Um, Brad Pitt was supposed to be uh, Gil Bellows or was offered the part of Gil Bell, or uh, not Gil Bell, Tommy, uh, the, the part that went to Gil Bellows. Uh, but he chose to do Interview with the Vampire instead. I think his career worked out well. Yeah, uh, I think you okay he did okay. That's all right. <laughs> I think that works. Yeah, uh, it was a, a, a. It's a well-known like flop in the theater. Uh, the film's initial gross of eighteen million could not even cover the cost of production. It did another ten million in the wake of the Oscar nominations. Like where they put it back in a theaters uh, right before the Oscars go. Um, but it was still just deemed a box office failure. Um, and everybody talks about this difficult name as the major reason. And I'm just, I still don't understand. I think it's just unexplainable, you know? Like, yeah. some things just happen for a reason. Well, and, you know, it was 1994, like, publicity yeah. and stuff wasn't the same, right.
1: mm-hmm. you know? Like, I don't think that happens again. And yeah. Oh, no, no. Or way. anything. No like, way. this is like such a mm-hmm. huge push. And- yeah
0: movies like get out like where word of mouth was just so crazy like like oh you have to go and see this movie and like even though i didn't get to go get see it in the theater it was just like oh when this comes to dvd or when i can watch it like everybody's talking about this movie where it's like that's a little bit slower pre-internet you know so yeah yeah um Reason I, so I mentioned this early on, and it's very important. I think it's very important to the story of Shawshank. Um, after the, the film gained popularity, Ted Turner sold the television rights to TNT, his own network, for much lower than the normal uh, for such a big film. And because it was so inexpensive to show, and because it's like two and a half hours, so with uh, with um, uh, commercials, it's three the film was just broadcast on uh, TNT all the time. And I mean, no doubt, like anytime that you wanted to watch Shawshank, like in the, like the 90s, you could watch it, you would just turn on TNT on a Saturday afternoon, and it was always on just always on. And so I've just, I've watched this movie a million times, no matter if it's like the cable version, my own DVD version, Blu-ray version, whatever. But TNT was extremely important to that. And the fact that like, Ted Turner which is funny because like of course Ted Turner would buy a movie that like is like the moral <laughs> of the story is to not like be corrupt and he's like yep totally totally understand that yeah. I'm gonna, Love gonna it. make money money off of this you know so <laughs> good grief. all right whose movie is it ah Freeman's I think, it- I think it's I think it's Robbins and Freeman like you can't have the platonic, to, yeah, the platonic love story them. between the two of them, uh, and separate them. But you're right. I, I would say, like, if any if if you were to give the the nod to one of them, like you would give it to Freeman because it became he became a, a superstar after this, you yeah. know, uh, and yeah morgan freeman at... the
1: narrator wins this movie yeah because super it's just time. like yeah. half his career now it's just like yeah he has so many credits where he's just like the narrator like how much does morgan freeman make for coming in and reading a paragraph for someone right it's ridiculous at that
0: so after 94 oh he had done driving miss daisy he'd already won he already won an oscar he'd already won an oscar yeah okay never mind okay um, well, been in a movie that
1: won an Oscar.
0: Didn't he win the Oscar? No,
1: I thought that too. And then I went and looked it up,
0: and oh, okay, somebody else wins. He was nominated, of course. Jessica Tandy won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it also makes me mad that Dan Aykroyd uh, was the best supporting actor. He's in that movie for five minutes, right? He's yeah. barely
1: in that movie, yeah. Okay. And spoiler, I will say this later. Like you could put any little white woman you want in that movie. Morgan Freeman makes the movie, so right, yeah.
0: Terrible. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm glad that we're on the same page with (laughs) Driving Miss Daisy. I was just like shocked when I saw that she won and he didn't. I'm like, what? Right. Yeah. Um, Where was I going with that? (laughs) Oh, I was trying to say that this movie made him a star, and it wasn't um okay yeah i I think that freeman just he's just a little bit of a cut above and and of course goes on to like continue his career at a high rate yeah of blockbusters versus Robbins, where he kind of he kind of picks and chooses um but he's been a he's been in hollywood for a while now after this one he likes quirky projects you know something like this you know yeah. instead of you don't see him in uh, freeman's in everything like yeah. has just like sure i'll do that <laughs> it seems yeah. like you want me to play the president for the 17th time of course i'll do it <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: you want me to narrate the voice of a
1: dog or a cat yeah. or, or whatever <laughs> i mean give me yeah. the lines
0: <laughs> Well, uh, that's all that we got for uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, give us some thoughts on uh, our Facebook page at The Fileo Podcast or Instagram at Fileo Podcast, all one word, all lowercase, or shoot us an email at fileo at gmail.com. Great job, ours. Good brownies. Good brownies. like that and they didn't really drama uh dra- dramatize no Traumatize. dramatize dramatize <laughs> <laughs> 1040
1: whee! yeah
0: uh, and they didn't really dramatize uh i feel like that's not they didn't up the drama